Hey everybody, 24th day of April. Finally going to warm up a little bit. We did get a small slight sprinkle, like one hundredths of an inch last night. Several places didn't get anything. I know it's raining south, that was pretty big. Um, what I wanted to talk about today, and I guess a little bit finish that up about raining south of us. Uh, the, the Gulf Coast, the, the far southern grain belt, and I would I would term that Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, uh, northern Louisiana, you know, where along the Mississippi River there, uh, I guess you could include South Texas into that. But they've had an excessive amount of moisture. I know they've got a lot done, and when it warms up, they can get a lot done real quick like everybody else. But it's just interesting the amount of water that's went through down there and the fact that things things have been slow around here to to a lot of activity a lot of farming gone on but with the cold temperatures a lot of slow slow emergence now seen a few soybeans up don't exactly know what the freeze did to them but it looks like they came up right after the freeze and it'll be interesting just to check those but you can start to actually row those soybeans uh what I wanted to talk about is people have asked me about Judy's and my marketing plan. And sometimes it appears to people, well, you don't have a plan because you're not doing anything. Well, sometimes the best plan is not to do anything. And, you know, I, I, I got my marketing plan laying right out here in front of me. It's in a nice little spiral notebook. I, I got some target levels. I got some time levels. But uh, to, to quote the old military saying, Planning is everything, but no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And sometimes I think we get so locked in on our marketing plans. And, and this this year's a good example. If you went with some straight hedges, you got quite a bit of margin money out there right now. But if you don't stay with those hedges and pop out of them, and then it goes back to where you were, uh, all that margin money is now, uh, quote-unquote, a total loss. And, you know, calls and puts are good in an aspect, but they limit you on time, and they, they cost money, and the vast majority of, of calls and puts expire worthless. The vast majority of options expire worthless. That's why people write the options is to make the money. And I guess what I'm talking about is just sometimes you got to adjust the plan. Uh, now, I can tell you in, during the 2020 pandemic, uh, the boss and I, we, we talked about marketing and everything. And I mean, you know, the, this time a year ago, corn was struggling to stay above three bucks. Corn was or uh, corn was struggling to stay above three bucks. Beans were struggling to stay above eight dollars. Uh, there, there was a, a lot going on in the world and a lot not going on in the world. Uh, you, you know, you kind of wondered about where it was and, and, but we thought at that time, um, we had gotten rid of the, uh, 19 crop basically at the first, but the end of January, first part of February. And we'd converted that thing into money and had had a little bit of the landlord's grain left. And, and Judy maybe had a little bit of grain left. But we thought, you know, we're going to ride this thing out. And then uh, we sold later in the summer the little bit of grain we had left for some people and for us, or mainly her. Uh, we sold that out. 
And then you turn around and you fast forward. Um, what what do you what do you do with the twenty twenty crop? Well, we got somewhat bullish last summer, and you can talk to uh, the guy that that Judy does her her options with, and he he was teasing us about being a bull last summer. But I I always thought all along that they didn't take the quality of that two thousand nineteen crop into into uh, count for you know they counted it up as the total but poor quality stuff just feeds up just disappears faster and the fact that you know i was talking to some people in north dakota that were having to double screen their corn i've talked about this before double screen their corn to get it in to 54 pound test weight so they could sell it and they talked about the loader loaderfuls after loaderfuls after loaderfuls of basically corn fines that they dumped out in the fields uh, just to get their corn to 54 pounds. And those are bushels that are gone. The, these guys didn't have any livestock. They weren't able to, to, to feed that stuff. And, and the, what, what Brad told me at one point, he says, I don't know if you would have wanted to feed that stuff, Bill. Uh, and and that, that was going on. And the fact that, yes, uh, I believe the NAS statistics, I'm going to stick up for NAS here, that there actually was extra acres planted by people outside the traditional corn belt in, in 2019 because of the delayed planting in the, in the primary areas of the corn belt, and they seen the price run up, and everybody thought, oh, we're going to six bucks, which we ended up not doing at the time. Uh, that 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 was a false hope put out there by several universities that uh, they they were talking that we were going to run this thing up high, but that meant the corn was somewhat out of position too. And what I mean out of position, uh, there's the natural normal flows that the markets go through because that's where the natural normal um, uh, quantities of grain are, and the infrastructure is built around those areas around those places uh, the river system you have you know train loaders uh, you have places in Minnesota and South Dakota that ship to the Pacific Northwest so that's all in there and basically Judy and I adjusted our 2020 plan into a wait and see mode basically because of the pandemic and everything and the fact that I also believed when people talked about that that China was going to buy more, that China was going to get past the, the the African swine fever, which right now may still be going on, but they they've learned how to manage it anyway. Right now, <clears throat> the fact that does anybody really believe any of the statistics that come out of China on how much grain they have in their government owned grain stocks? Does anybody really believe anything that that maybe the private, and I don't know if any company is really private in a communist society, but their kind of commercial firms are telling you they got. And you have to remember in China, grain stocks are considered state secrets. They don't come out and tell the world like we do in the United States, you know, everything, every month about what they got. They, that's a state secret to them. That's proprietary information and they they're only sharing what they want to share which is going to make it better for them to to manage their food supply in their country that's how they're managing that deal
So <clears throat> let's talk about, you know, what, what Judy and I have done with the plan. I sold a little bit of corn off the combine against my better judgment last fall, 10,000 bushel. Uh, it's not a whole lot, but this sold that to get a little bit of cash last fall to get a little money to operate on. And then our next sales were in December, late December. Uh, we sold uh, corn and beans. Our next sales were the end of January. Uh, we got 527 for corn, 14 something for beans. I want to say the futures were like 1463 at the time. We actually sold ourselves out of beans there in January, but we've still kept a little bit of corn. And I can tell you that, you know, um, old crop possible hot, hot tops, and this is from an advisor that I listened to, you know, somewhere, uh, you know, he was talking between 613 and 698, and he thought it would get to 649. Well, it's gotten to 649. It, it, it made it. I know a lot of people when he came out with that probably thought he was crazy, but he made it. And so now, now the question is, well, what do you do for the, you know, are you going to sell that old crop there? Um, and we're looking to sell half of our inventories here, maybe in the next week or so, just seeing, kind of seeing what the market does and then turn around um, and, and gamble with the half that we got left. And it's not half of our total crop. It's just half of what we got left. And just kind of see where this thing goes. Um, and I get it too that, that and, and we've been there, we've been there where financially we needed to have more money quicker. And whenever, whenever you need money, you need, to, you need to generate the sales before you actually get forced into having to sell the grain at a point that you don't want to sell the grain. Uh, but you have to sell the grain because you got to raise cash. Uh, we're luckily right now sitting in a situation where we don't have to do that. And we're kind of just sitting back, seeing seeing if this thing's going to continue to rally. And I know when you start putting sixes in front of things, that's getting pretty pricey. But I go back to 2012. Uh, I literally did nothing till the fall of the year and sold it all in the fall and sold every bushel for over $7, except my dad pre-sold corn for $6.30. And the way the drought turned out in 2012, and he, that's the only time in my life I ever known that he sold more corn than what he actually raised. I had to fill a few of those $6.30 bushels for him on those contracts. It wasn't many, but it was, I don't know, three, 4,000 bushel. Uh, and I was, I had the corn to do it. I hadn't priced it all. So I turned around and filled it. And I still remember him wanting me to pay the difference. And I'm like, that's $6 and 30 cents. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll fill your contract for the rest of the way. And we're not going to, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to worry about it. Well, and I, and I'm not saying that it's going to get anywhere near that this time in May. I don't know. I mean, this thing's crazy. The, 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 the big problem we got, and I think it's, I talked about it a little bit with Ukraine and Russia. You got China and Taiwan. You, you got so much geopolitical instability around the world that a lot of crazy things could happen and this thing could blow up tomorrow. And I think we have a, a overhung stock market that's just wanting to go short. Now, uh, doesn't mean the stock market, you know, watch, watch the movie The Big Short. You can be completely right, but if your timing is wrong 
and or um, those one guys that had the investment group, not the guy that's the drummer or the mathematician, but the investment group guys. And, and they went into the, the big bitch fit about how the government was fixing it for everybody. You know, all these people that bet wrong, and they were still bailing them out because they didn't want the, the, the whole economy to slide off. Well, you, sometimes when you're betting on Armageddon, you're betting against the big house too, the big house being the, the federal government. And they have, they have the ability to print money to try to do things to save things, which they're doing right now, left and right anyway, which may get us into more trouble, but that's another, that's another topic for another day. Uh, the printing presses and where does all the money go? And, and maybe some of this money's going into these commodity markets and that's why they continue to go higher. Uh, you know, well, the other thing I think the markets are getting a little bit, you know, we, we had a, a kind of demand and supply driven market. And I know you're going to say supply. We had a lot of supply, but there was really good demand out there. And, you know, the, the, the government several times predicted these huge carryovers in soybeans. And the next, the, the next year, the next reporting period, half of it was gone. The, those, those huge surpluses just disappeared, and they disappeared, quote-unquote, rather quickly, which means there was big demand out there. And that, that, that complicated, I think, a lot of people's thinking because, you know, a year, 18 months ago, you know, oh, my God, what are we going to do with all this? We got just these huge carryovers. We got these huge carryovers, which also tells me, a year, 18 months, 24 months from now, um, we're going to be wondering, where did, where did all this extra stuff come from? Well, all the extra stuff came from for the fact that these high prices, you know, the best cure for high prices is high prices. The best cure for low prices is low prices. And we had low prices and they cured themselves. Now we're going to get high prices and they're going to cure themselves. And I guess basically what I'm saying is that it's great to have a plan, but sometimes you cannot blindly stick with a plan uh, when the the whole thing's turning the other way. But I also know too, and and this is this is my caution: if you're that deep into a plan right now, uh, let's say you're hedging grain, you almost got to hedge your way out of this thing now, because if you started hedging corn at four bucks and it's now six. You got two bucks a bushel into those hedges, and you just gotta you gotta just run them out to fruition, um, and 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 th- this this is an interesting time because, like I said, with all the geopolitical risk, you got some stock market risk, you got other financial risk. This thing could this thing could end real quick, and 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 talked about this with a couple people on Twitter this last week. Uh, you know, and they were making the comment, you know, you go up on an escalator and you go down on an elevator. And, and I said, the problem is we have no idea what floor that elevator is going to start down from. We don't know if it's here. We don't know if it's 10 cents higher. We don't know if it's 50 cents higher. We don't know if it's a dollar higher. We don't know if it's 2 or $3 higher. We have no idea where that, esca- where that elevator is going to start, where the escalator tops out at and where the elevator is going to start down. All I know is, is when that elevator starts going down, you got to get on that elevator and get on it quick. But I think the last component into this market 
is we, we may be moving beyond supply and demand and those types of things. And we just may be moving into, call them speculators, call them hedgers, and, and they're not true grain hedgers. They're hedging money. Uh, they're hedging assets. They're hedging wealth. Uh, call them speculators, call them investors, call them whatever you are. I think you have some of them jumping into commodities right now. And we have these huge expanded limits. And oh, by the way, we're getting ready to expand. Uh, you know, the the corn daily trading limit is going to go from 25 cents to 40 cents. And the bean uh, daily limit is going to go from 70 cents to a dollar. Just think of that. We could, You could move up a dollar and turn around and have a key reversal and close a dollar lower, which means you could have a $2 move within one day here, folks. Or you could start today and, and you know, open limit down and then have something happen and go a dollar higher from where you started because that's the limit. It's the limit from the – and you could have a $2 move up. The, 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 the money – and I tell you what, too, I'm looking for the Chicago Board of Trade to raise margin levels. And once they start raising margin levels, that means it takes more money to hold the same amount of bushels. Or if you have so much money, you have to get out of some bushels because you're only able to hold what your margin money can allow you to hold. And that, my friends, is probably going to be a real interesting time because a lot of times when they've raised those margin requirements, that's a lot of times have been the end of these market runs. But if this is truly outside money, if this is truly inflation hedge money, if this is truly speculative money on inflation, then it's a whole new ball game too. Now, that's probably the end game in this deal, but but that's the end game where it can get real stupid and can run one way or the other a long way real fast, real hard, which is going to make it even harder to do a marketing plan and stick to a marketing plan but I, but I guess what I'm saying is when you stick to a marketing plan, you need to build flexibilities in your marketing plan that when you see the market doing what it's done this year, and it, de- and it does this very rarely, it rarely does what it's done, where it just, it just keeps going higher. Now, on to the downside, you see these years where it just keeps going lower. Um. And that's maybe where you had some targets and you see it's never going to reach those targets. I have to readjust my targets to, you know, to maybe get a bounce that's not going to get as high as I thought, but to get a bounce to sell the stuff. So I guess what I'm getting at is we have to be nimble. We have to be quick. When the down escalator hits, we got to jump on that thing and jump on it in a big way. Um, the, the problem is with as much craziness and as much outside money that's in these markets, you know, we, we could, you know, as, as I term it, we could, we could do the Bitcoin routine. We could be up really big one week and down really big the next week, and then we're back up again the next week, and then we're down the next week, and then we're, uh, you know, and this thing could gyrate around here for a little bit in some pretty wild big swings. And the, and the one people that I really feel sorry for. And and I tell you what, you farmers out there that belong to these co-op elevators, this has been a real difficult year for these grain elevators to make much money. Uh, these grain elevators had no carry in the market. Uh, the grain elevators, when, when you look at last fall, 
Uh, all the all the demand was for the beans up front, so they weren't able to buy beans in November and sell them for January because they bought beans in November and the bid was a lot better in November than it was in January, so they had to sell them. So all they really were were just cash merchandisers. They were buying the beans from you and then reselling them to somebody else, and they had no opportunity to make any money. There was very little drying income in the corn market last fall. A lot of the corn dried down on its own. You have these places in Iowa that had corn laying flat on the ground. It never made it into the bins, which means they have reduced volume. And grain elevators make their money on volume. And now they've got to come up with a whole lot of margin money. Because any, any sales by farmers, purchases by them, that were done... 25 cents ago, 50 cents ago, a dollar ago, dollar 50 ago. Uh, they got to cover that with margin money in the futures market. And there's going to be some really big, really big margined uh, loans out there. And I know interest is cheap, but they're still going to have to pay the interest on those. And they're going to have to borrow a lot of money. And the Chicago Board of Trade expands these limits and turns around and asks for more margin money. They still got to hold the same amount of bushels, so that means they got to come up with more money to do that. So be nice to your grain elevator people right now. And just just rolling here from the May into the July. Normally, the July is worth more money than the May, so you can roll into those spreads. Well... It was it was an it was a you know May was ten to eleven higher than July's a little bit ago, and if you didn't get all of them rolled last week, we got we got a twenty cent spread at one time. Now I think it's tightened up a little bit since, um, but they 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 got their own deal going on there, and so anybody looking for a big patronage check uh, this. You know, summer when the grain elevators get get done doing their books, or even possibly looking for a big patronage check next year, I just wouldn't be I just wouldn't be too too hopeful that that happens. I just want them to be able to survive, so we still have that opportunity and that market available to us. Yeah, it's it's a complicated deal here, and and you know. As I told, as I told my sister, because my sister, I've, I've been helping educate her, because his dad's not been able to do as much stuff, and and her and I have to take over more managing on everything, and she's co-trustee with me on, on all the trust stuff, and so I try to explain to her what's going on in the markets and how it's happening. This is a crazy year to get educated on, because everything's just backwards from normal, and. And I can tell you, we get half-done planting corn. I'll want to get something sold because I always like to try to get something sold when we're halfway done planting corn. But I can tell you that there's several years, last year being one of them, um, possibly this year, that maybe that's not what you do right away. Um, Just an interesting year, interesting grain market. I got my plan sitting here in front of me. I know the boss, she thinks I probably ought to maybe have yesterday sold that half of what we had left, but I said we'll wait till next week. And so that means something stupid's probably going to happen around the world Sunday night, just the way it works out. And, and that's the way it a lot of times works out. Um, and, but that's the risk we have right now. There's so many things beyond just the rain 
And let's let's talk about this rally this last week. I think a lot of this was, you know, it's not raining on that second corn crop in Brazil. You know, and, and I know a lot of people were talking about what were we going to feed the bulls here? We were running out of stuff to feed the bulls. We were running out. Well, last week we found plenty of stuff to feed the bulls with. Maybe this week the bears get fed. I don't know. It's, um, I, I, th- I think your marketing plan is something that you got to think about. You got to be ready to go with. Um, but I also think you have to be nimble enough to realize that when you do get a one-off, and it seems like we've had a lot of one-off years the last several years, but that's just the, the times we're living in. You have to be flexible enough to change that thing. Well, hey, to the smartest audience in agriculture, I'm going to talk Monday a little bit about climate. Uh, John Kerry made the comment, we need to get rid of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Now, I think all the plants we grow are probably not going to want that to happen. But, you know, we got we to gotta scrub carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. We got to get these big vacuum cleaners, these big scrubbers, and scrub it out. And, and maybe around some of these major cities, they, they can do that. But I can tell you out here in the countryside, uh, my corn and soybeans and my grass and my alfalfa and everything else, they kind of like carbon dioxide. Uh, it kind of helps them grow. But that doesn't mean that we haven't lost the science and all this. You know, they, they, talk, they talk about how the, the climate deniers don't have any science. Well, there's a lot of climate pro- proponents that don't understand any science either. Well, hey, with that, smartest audience in agriculture. I hope this anchor thing's working out for you. I'm going to put out some information on this, uh, what it is, why we decided to do what we did. But I'm going to go, if it doesn't rain anymore than it is, I'm going to go plant some corn today. So talk to everybody Monday.